Now, more tips with your host, Rebecca Rogers. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Thank you so much for joining us here on Lifestyle Improvement for part two of our interview with Adam Larson. Mr. Larson is a documentary filmmaker and a video projection designer for live performances. He has completed projects for over 200 productions in opera, dance, and theater. Of great interest to our listeners is that Mr. Larson directed two feature-length documentary films about disabilities. One of them is an acclaimed film titled Neurotypical. This is a film about autism from the perspective of autistic individuals, premiered on PBS. His other film, titled Undersung, focuses on the challenges surrounding caregiving for severely disabled family members. And now, here is our guest, Adam Larson, and our host, Rebecca Rogers. There's a gentleman, Wolf, who's in the film, and he um, he talks about social interaction and uh, and and um, how he doesn't he wouldn't want to be neurotypical. He wouldn't want to be normal. And he's joyous. He lives uh, in, alone um, and is very successful. He's he's um, he works for the government and and uh, makes a good wage and uh, and he's a happy individual and he doesn't th- he doesn't have any of the sort of uh, conventions. I mean, his happiness isn't um, could not be rated by any of the typical conventions that um, that neurotypicals might have, like being married and having you know things in a certain way. But su- wonderfully happy person and very fulfilled person and wouldn't want to be different at all. Um, and so I found his story to be really particularly, uh, striking, um, because he had a very, very difficult childhood and he was diagnosed, um, uh, and he was diagnosed at a very young age and he had very supportive parents who worked really hard to get him to where he is now. Um, and now he's, um, I think the film helped him to, uh, empower him and he's been giving talks he may have been giving talks before but I know he's flown to to various places and he's giving talks and um, I think that's wonderful that he's um and and he as he told me like navigating an airport and a place that's completely unfamiliar to him is a, is a huge deal for him um, because he structures everything out uh, um, and I will say that John Engel who the first person I interviewed talked about this game of tag um, and how he, um, oh, just his impressions of tag were so wonderful. Like, and to me, that was a symbol of the entire, of the entire film or in, of, in, of what, of an autistic person's perception of neurotypicals. He, um, he thought he was playing the, you know, so he's playing tag in the, um, in the playground with his friends and, he, what he understood was, is the point of tag is not to get tagged. Um, but he wasn't a very popular kid. So he's just standing out there in the, in the playground, not getting tagged. And he's like, well, I'm winning because, um, because nobody's tagging me, but nobody's really playing with him. And so he, um, he later finds out that the point is to get in there and frolic. He, uh, the teacher says, Hey John, you need to like, you need to run around and be with the kids. And then, so he's like, now I'm back there standing in my same spot and now I'm losing because I'm not frolicking because that's not something that I'm, I'm like, that's, I'm able, like, I'm not good at that. 
And then like, I mean, this is a thought process that started in elementary school and went all the way for years through college. And then he eventually like he find he realizes that um, that to tag somebody that you could physically tag somebody, but you could also like say the word tag and you're you're touching somebody with sound waves. Um, so you are physically touching them, but you're, you know, but it's with sound waves is invisible. Um, or also hold up the word tag and you're, you're now hitting them with, um, with, uh, rays that are bouncing the light rays, which are bouncing off of that and being reflected into the eye. So, I mean, he can, he turned this into, and then he realized that, um, you know, the, one of the most poignant things is that the whole point of tag is to just get in there and play. And because it is a, it's about human connection and it's about showing somebody that you, want them and then they want you. And I get chills when I think about that because that's, I think that that, you know, you, you might stereotype and you might go, Oh, well, John, he's autistic. He's an outsider. He doesn't, you know, understand relationships, but in some ways, like in many ways that outside perspective is the prime seat in the house to be able to view interaction and to know like what it's all about. You know, if you're in the middle, um, you know, you can, you, you may not actually, you know, see as well. Um, and I know that's for me too. I'm, I'm very much an outside. I, I kind of stand on the outskirts and watch things. And I think I wasn't popular when I was younger. And so I, um, yeah, I, I'm definitely a, a person who likes to witness things and, and see how interactions are. And, um, I just find them incredibly curious. So, um, so yeah, John, I would say that was really blew me away as well because these, um, and Wolf, their perceptions on, on this human spectrum, as I said earlier, and just, um, and neurotypicals that were really profound and also, you know, just being completely happy and satisfied with their, with one's life as it, as it is and not wanting to change. Wonderful. And what I hear there is about three things that were very, very exciting and very profound to me. The human connection being definable according to many circumstances, as long as it deals with appreciating what is available to you at that time in order to make that connection happen, to be part of the process, to be part of the moment, really is the most important part. I can see that the human connection is one of the most, uh, one of the most surprising things in a film like this when you're talking about a population that, technically speaking, have difficulty connecting with other yes. people, correct? I would definitely say that. I, th- I think that I think that that's why there's uh, a good amount of depression in the in, in with folks on the spectrum because I because we're human and human connection is is what it's all about. I mean, we all need human interaction and connection to thrive, not only survive, but to thrive. And I think if you write somebody off as saying, oh, they don't need that, or they don't, you know, it's not uh, apparent to me that they need that. I think that's really, I think it's missing the point because I think everybody needs it. And I think it may not be the, a typical way. Uh, and you might have to find an avenue in, but I think it's really, really important. And I, um, and I also know many, many folks, um, parents of children who are quite challenged and, and they work incredibly hard to, to get, to get those connections and, um, and they're, they're definitely there. So, yeah, I mean, I think, it, I think it is all about human connection. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that starts from very early on, even, um, yeah. some of the research that they're doing currently, about the mother and child relationship and how mm. crucial it is for kids that are in the spectrum, how crucial yeah. that 
mother or that caregiver child connection and relationship is in the process of development. It is for all of us, but even more importantly, because of the challenges that this diagnosis has. So wonderful stuff. So what kind of reaction do you have to this film from both neurotypical people and for those in the spectrum? This is your host, Rebecca, and now we will take a short break and we will be right back with more ideas on lifestyle improvement. As a caregiver, you spend your days caring for the needs of someone else. But what are you doing to help yourself? In our Caregiver Survival 101 workshop, we teach you the self-help skills that will empower you to be healthier and more productive. Do you feel tired, overwhelmed, have difficulty sleeping? Do you feel isolated? All this could be signs of caregiver stress. Chronic stress can impact your health adversely and ultimately cause irreversible and unwanted physical problems. Take a step towards your own personal care. A healthy caregiver is a better caregiver. You owe it to yourself and your loved ones to do what is needed to stay healthy today. Go to www.caregiversurvival101.com. That again is www.caregiversurvival101.com. Or call 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101. And discover how we can help you help yourself. Caregiver Survival 101 because care starts with you. So what kind of reaction do you have to this film from both neurotypical people and for those in the spectrum? Great question. I, uh, I would say I would say a lot of neurotypicals uh, upon viewing it, I mean, many would go like, wow, I, I'm like that, or there are qualities that I have that are similar. And I, I, um, while they may not be on the autism spectrum, as I said earlier, I think there is this, we all, it's a bell curve. So we all have qualities, um, that are part of it. Um, and they just may not be imbalanced. And so that's heartening to me to, for people to, to see somebody who, on paper, they may go, I have nothing in common with this person. But then when you spend some time with them, you go, oh, yeah, actually, there's a lot I have in common with them. And their perspective, it may not be typical. And, you know, their process from point A to point B may not be a straight line. Uh, it may be like this big circuitous thing. But, wow, how, how interesting is that? Like um, that they aren't going this typical route. And uh, so that's that I've encountered a lot of folks who, who really, um, who told me that they saw a lot in the film that reminded them, you know, it was like in dating, we all have challenges dating or, or flirting or small talk or, and what I loved, what they, what folks, neurotypicals felt is they liked the bluntness or the directness or the little rules that, that, um, the little helpers that the, like, like John Beck, for instance, who he's in the film and he's talking about, um, having challenges, uh, talking to, uh, like on a date. And one of his rules is to repeat the last three words. Um, well, first he says, actually, he says, always say their name. 
remember their name because he, he said a person's name is their favorite word in the whole wide world. They love hearing their name. And number two, if you're not a good conversationalist, just repeat the last three words of whatever they're saying. Um, and so they're telling a story and he's like, you know, and this is like, and then they like, they, uh, they went off the cliff and he's like, off the cliff, you know, he's like, yeah, like, and so just continuing on and on and on. And he's like, they'll talk for hours. <laughs> like, and so his diagnosis or of, uh, neurotypicals is just this chattiness that just goes on and on and on. And, and one of the ways that he's, he's managed to fit in is to, um, give himself these little rules. And so, um. I would say some audiences really appreciated that because it was funny and it was also like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm really awkward in social situations too. You know, if I'm meeting somebody for the first time and, um, and it just, it, it helps to maybe de demystify some of the, um, some of things that you, you know, when they are diagnosed and they become like behaviors, um, you know, when you talk to a person, you realize that yes, there are, you know, quote unquote behaviors, but there also are, the, you know, there are things that people deal with and they're better at some things and they're less good at other things. And then there's, there's more points. I'm trying to find ways of commonality. And, um, uh, so that would be, you know, some impressions of the neurotypical viewers. And then, um, folks on the spectrum, I, I found a, a lot of folks who were really empowered by the film and really appreciated, had never seen, seen a film like it before and gave it to their family um, to help understand them or have a better, clearer idea of them. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, it was really, um, and that was humbling because I just felt that that's the main reason why, I, I mean, that's one of the main reasons why I made the film is for a, a, um, an autistic audience, uh, to, to feel empowered, to feel like somebody was listening to them and somebody was presenting something that was, um, truthful, uh, and, you know, one thing I'll say is I, um, I know that there's, um, in some of the terminology, like I sometimes say autistic, uh, instead of a person with autism. And I'll explain why I say that is that I have many friends who are on the autism spectrum and they consider themselves autistic. Um, they don't think that their autism is separate from themselves. Um, and so that's why they, they prefer, um, an Aspie or, um, Audi or autistic. And so, uh, other folks would find that, um, I wouldn't say derogatory or maybe they, they find it to be, uh, not the proper lingo to use, but I'm only using it because I have friends who prefer to be called that. And so that's, um, uh, they find it as a, a term of empowerment for them. Um, but yeah, I would say across, there were some folks who, um, some parents who, who didn't feel that the film dealt enough with more challenged, um, individuals like their children. And I totally, I appreciated hearing that. And I, um, and that's one of the reasons why I, um, made my second film called undersung, uh, because it, while it's not specifically about autism, um, it run, it's about caregivers. And, um, I, uh, it's very, it's difficult to accurately portray, um, I don't know, to, to, uh, folks who are incredibly challenged. Um, uh, for one, since this was from the perspective of autistics, I couldn't necessarily interview folks, um, who are nonverbal. I mean, certainly there's other ways of communicating. Um, and also, uh, with them showing folks working and, and, uh, 
um, or with job coaches or who or whatever, or with parents, but I needed an avenue in for that. And so I felt that caregivers, uh, were the, that avenue. In, and that's what my second film was about. I, I wanted to bring up one thing though, that I thought was interesting. The comment that you made about the word, the wording uh, of autistic versus the uh, diagnosis of autism, mm -hmm. because as you, I get the opportunity to interview many people that are adults that are in the spectrum, which are very proud and very comfortable saying they are autistic. And mm -hmm. that is what they want to use as a definition. And so it's a very interesting moment, I think, for all of us to learn, because also on the other side, there are parents uh, or caregivers that have children with incredible needs. And autism diagnosis is a different moment for them. So it's interesting within that spectrum to find the wants and not wants as far as how the word autism is used and being able to try to to respect where the person is that maybe is autistic versus uh, parents that have children with autism. And, and so it's an interesting moment to try to figure out where it is that we're going to go with the society yeah. in the use and the definition of the diagnosis. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's really, I think a really valid point and I, and they're both right. Both sides are right. As I see it, I, um, I'm not a parent and I don't, um, so I don't have a child on the spectrum. And I also, I know how much work that is. I have many, many friends who are parents of children um, on the spectrum. And, um, and I also like, I also have many friends who are autistic and so, and adults with, um, with Asperger's and uh, who are independent and have, uh, yeah. I conversely, so while there would be some parents who of children who were quite challenged who might have a critique of the film, there were folks who were very um, who were autism advocates who would have critiques of the film too for being going not going far enough, you know, and not being um, you know com completely uh, about uh, about. Um, someone with Asperger's and completely from that perspective, they felt like it might've been a little bit too middle ground. And so because the spectrum is just immense um, and ranging from somebody who, um, who needs an immense amount of support to function to somebody who uh, you may not know has, is on the spectrum. Um, it's, it's challenging to find, to, to present, you know, an, uh, not even accurate, but just truthful, something that, um, can speak to everybody. So it's not, it's not always going to, it doesn't speak to everybody. Um, and so at least just what spoke to me were these individuals and their stories of their, um, of their childhood and the things that helped them and the commonalities and the differences between, uh, society at large so that we could understand this, this, um, uh, community. I mean, it's a film about the people that are in the film, you know, and so I know folks would love it to be, you know, to, to solve all the answers or, you know, all the questions that they have or, um, and, um, it's a, it's a, yeah, it, what it does is present, I think some folks who are really fascinating, interesting, and, and, um, who I think you can gain some things from if you, um, if you, uh, yeah, if you, if you don't, yeah. So <laughs> do you hope that this film tears down some stereotypes? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, um, 
I mean, and I can talk about that a little bit too. in in the the next film too, is that I just think visibility and, um, I think visibility is so important. I think that we, there's so much fear around things that we don't know about, um, that we, uh, don't experience firsthand that half of, you know, of people coming together, um, as a like functioning society, like all the parts I'm talking about, like all the folks that are different and challenged and people who are less challenged, it just all is with visibility and understanding that there is difference and there's nuance and it's all okay. Um, and, um, the media, I mean, typically the news and movies and, um, now they're getting much better. Like, but before, I would say you, there's an immense amount of fear, um, language that around fear when you talk about autism. And again, I'm not, I don't want to diminish the immense amount of work or the challenges when you have somebody who is on the spectrum who just requires so much support. I mean, that's, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of, it's a lifetime of work. Um, and also there are folks on the spectrum that, um, uh, are trying to recover from language, which is very um, much about curing them, and uh, and and they don't want to be cured, you know, and uh, and so that there is, yeah, I um, so my hope is that this the film has at least eroded away a, a little bit of the stereotypes, so that when you see somebody, you may be in the grocery line and you might see a child who's having a tantrum. Um, you know, with their parent who's just really just trying to hold it together, you might have more compassion for them and you might understand that, oh, okay, it's not, it may not be bad parenting. It may just be that, that's an, um, that child has autism. And, um, or you might see somebody who's uh, a little different or idiosyncratic or, um, and versus you going, you know, avoiding it, you can say, oh, well, that's, you know, maybe that person is this or like, it's all okay. You know, we all, we all have differences. And so, and, um, uh, and the diagnosable ones tend to be more visible. And so it's just, I'm just trying to get, you know, as we erode those stereotypes, we can have more compassion around, around difference. Compassion is a beautiful word. So not cured, but accepted and understood. Absolutely. Yeah. As of right now, I mean, there is no cure for autism. I mean, I, I, and that was a big, that to me, that's, I, I'm not clinical in the film at all, but that was a big component. So if there, if there were a cure, it would be very different. I think it would be a very different conversation around it. And so I can't talk any one way or the other about a cure because that's a very, it's either a personal thing or a, you know, it's personal for the parent or the individual. Um, I certainly know many people who would never want to be cured. And, um, and I know parents who would love to cure their kids. And so, um, uh, but compassion is something that because there is no cure, I mean, I think that that's what it all comes down to is compassion and understanding and, um, and lots of work. I mean, like everybody puts in uh, yeah, so much work that, <laughs> that folks put in. Yeah. This is a perfect yeah. moment to, um, to segue into your other film because this program is about caregiving and because 
for some caregivers, it does entail an incredible amount of work. So your next film that you you did, which thank you for doing that film, I appreciate that very much, is called Undersung. And I absolutely love that title. How did you come up with that title for a film like this one? Well, the the word undersung, um, I mean, first I can say I collaborated with a poet on this film. And so uh, Heather McHugh is my collaborator on this, and she's from the Seattle area, and she won a MacArthur Award for her poetry and uh, put a lot of that money into, um, into starting an organization called Care Gifted to provide week-long retreats for parents of severely disabled family members who have been caring for 10 plus years because uh, a godson of hers had a child with severe needs and it just instantly changed his life. And she felt that this was a community that needed a very big community that needed uh, support. And in her way, this, um, this was a way that, uh, although it's one week, but it might be the first week off that somebody has had in 10 years. Um, and to help, to help just give them a moment's breath to regroup and to, before they go back and, um, you know, continue, continue with whomever they're caring for. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and it's not to be interpreted as medical advice. What if there was a way to help your struggling child perform better academically? Would you pick up the phone and call? Lysol Improvement Occupational Therapy Services in Puyallup, Washington, supports wellness and optimal educational performance. Instead of just reteaching information, we endeavor to identify the possible root causes for your child's learning difficulties. We offer targeted testing to assist in the creation of an individualized plan and provide you with the brain training tools that can help improve academic performance. Visit our website at www.lifestyleimprovement.com or give us a call today at 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101, for an initial free phone consultation. Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy. We're ready to partner with parents and to help your child succeed. Thank you so much for joining us here on Lifestyle Improvement for part two of our interview with Adam Larson. Mr. Larson is a documentary filmmaker and a video projection designer for live performances. He has completed projects for over 200 productions in opera, dance, and theater. Of great interest to our listeners is that Mr. Larson directed two feature-length documentary films about disabilities. One of them is an acclaimed film titled Neurotypical. This is a film about autism from the perspective of autistic individuals, premiered on PBS. His other film, titled Undersung, focuses on the challenges surrounding caregiving for severely disabled family members. Please join your host, Rebecca Rogers, again next week for part three of our interview with Adam Larson.